Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. More cases coming to light on companies using child labor in America. Big win for Actors Equity. And today on the show, we'll check in with IBEW Local 38. And later, we're going to Alabama for the Valley Labor Report. Welcome to the Thursday, December 29th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Let's see, we have two guests on the show today. We are going to start things off with Mr. Dan Gallagher, who is the business manager, financial secretary for IBEW Local 38, based in Cleveland, Ohio, IBEW38.org. Dan is a 30-year member of that local, that local is a spread over three counties in northeastern Ohio, Cuyahoga, Geauga, and Lorain counties. Dan is a 30-year member of Local 38. He's a third-generation wireman, 20 years in the field. Ten years ago, Dan started out as an organizer, then uh, in 2019 moved to uh, business agent, then assistant business manager, and at the beginning of the year, he became business manager and financial secretary. We'll talk about the strength of the local organizing, which, by the way, is the first object of the IBEW Constitution. It's real simple, to organize all workers in the entire electrical industry. We'll talk about the difference between non-union wages and union wages, health care, pensions, training, apprenticeship, all that good stuff. I have to tell you, too, that uh, Local 38 has quite a storied history. We're going back to the late 19th century when the National Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the NBEW, was organized in a room at a dance hall in downtown Cleveland. The year was 1891. A year later, representatives from the Brotherhood arrived in Cleveland and Local 16 was chartered. Then there were some tough times in, uh, like, 1893, there was an economic depression. And then finally, 1895, economic growth eventually rekindled in Cleveland as 19 linemen became charter members of Local 38. The date was August 8th, 1895. Long history. For Local 38, no doubt about that. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Jacob Morrison. Jacob is a member of the American Federation of Government Employees. That would be Local 1858. And he's also involved in the North Alabama Area Labor Council. And um, he hosts a podcast called the Valley Labor Report. In fact, we had him on the show some months back, and I was on his show over the, uh, I think it was April or May, I was on his show. And he's going to give us an update of what's going on in Alabama. And there's a lot of organizing going on in Alabama, but there's politicians that just don't seem to get it. And one of them is a U.S. Senator, Tommy Tuberville. Now, you know there's a lot of people 
that are afraid to get in those essential jobs ever since the pandemic. The pandemic, I've said this so many times on the show, has changed everything in America. And people want better wages. They want better health care. They want time off to deal with their family. We're seeing that all the time. Well, Tommy Tuberville apparently uh, did a uh, op-ed piece in the newspaper saying, you know, we're giving so many people all this money talking about the rescue plan and even when trump was in office i mean remember those what 12 1400 checks we're giving them all this money and they're not wanting to work anymore and uh, he uh, said in this op-ed that uh, ceos and bosses are the job creators and they face a workforce that has no will to work <laughs> that's what he said well jacob fired back. He said the irony of Tuberville lecturing people in Alabama about our will to work ought not to be lost on us. We did not get millions of public dollars to quit our jobs. That was Tuberville. We do not have retirement payouts above the medium income for having worked at a place for 10 years. That's Tuberville. We do not say that a near $200,000 salary is so little as to disincentivize us from doing our jobs. That's Tuberville. Every day, says Jacob, tens of thousands of teachers get up and go to work for less than a fourth of what the senator makes. Volunteer firefighters across the state do the job for free and give back to the community. City employees keep our cities running for as little as $9 an hour. Now, if Tommy Tuberville isn't able to get millions off of stock trades, he implied that he wouldn't want to put in the work to represent us in D.C., and yet he scolds us about our will to work. Very sad. And you know what's especially sad? He's not alone. There's a lot of senators that feel the same way. It's like two different classes in america you got the elite and then you got the workers whatever happened to the middle class i ask that question a lot uh, another issue we're going to get into is a uh, steel situation steel workers in alabama this is a paper mill in Cottontown, alabama they voted to reject a second contract offer from the company even though they uh, were to get a $28,000 ratification bonus. There's a lot more to that story, and uh, Jacob is going to fill us in on that. Jacob Morrison, who uh, heads the uh, Alabama Labor Council and uh, hosts the Valley Labor Report. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, the office of the Massachusetts Attorney General has announced that it was settling more than 1,200 violations of the state's child labor laws at several Dunkin' Donuts locations. It's going to cost them $145,000. This is ridiculous. Last couple of days, there have been a number of stories of child labor violations, and many of the uh, managers at those respective locations say, well, we can't find workers, so we got to find kids. Okay, there's certain laws that you have to abide by if you're going to do that, okay? The violations include employing workers under the age of 18 for over 10 hours, asking them to come in before 6.30 in the morning 
or after 10 p.m., or leaving them unsupervised during early or late hours. The AG's office, again, this is in Massachusetts, stated that this case was part of their ongoing efforts to protect the rights of young workers, primarily at fast food chains across the state. And they, they named a couple of them, Cadoba, Wendy's, and Chipotle. That's where most of the uh, violations have been occurring. But uh, the last one involves Dunkin' Donuts. Actors' Equity Association members have ratified a new three-year agreement with the Broadway League. The uh, production contract, Broadway and Sit-Downs, governs employment in shows on Broadway as well as in sit-down shows produced by members of the Broadway League elsewhere in the country. And this uh, new agreement will be in effect through September 28th of 2025. The contract includes fewer 10-12s. Okay, what's that? That's a scheduling practice requiring 10 hours of work a day plus two hours break during technical rehearsals. Also, fewer rehearsal hours after opening. Significant equity, diversity, and inclusion advances. Paid sick leave for the entire equity company. More stage manager pre-production increases in some chorus increments and the union's highest overall salary gains in decades. Got a comment here from the executive director and the lead negotiator, Al Vincent Jr. Al said the Broadway League is the largest group of employers for equity members. And coming to our first agreement after the pandemic shutdown and subsequent reopening is a major step. This was not easy. In over 21 bargaining sessions, everyone on both sides of the table had to make some very difficult choices. Al went on to say, I'm very proud of the work that Equity and the team has done to achieve a contract that makes significant strides on a number of issues that have been on our agenda for decades. And this agreement also lays important foundations that we will build on the negotiations to come. This is pretty significant, too, because uh, how often you hear of people behind the scenes getting what they deserve, you know, especially when it comes to Hollywood. Obviously, the stars make all the money. But think about all the people in the background. And this is a good example of that. So hats off to uh, Actors Equity and their leader, Kate Schindel. In fact, we're going to get her back on the show in the new year because they're in the process of organizing strippers in Los Angeles. And from what I've been gathering, they're doing a really good job, and the strippers are very, very vocal in the community. In fact, they have done several protests talking about the places that they work, and they're dressed up in OSHA violations. I don't know the details on that, and that's exactly why we're going to bring Kate Schindel on the show to talk about that. And that'll be happening probably in the next couple of weeks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Local 38, Dan Gallagher, business manager, right after this. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. 
From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Layuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Layuna at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. And remember this, if you like a show, please share that show. We count all the downloads, and the show has been doing really, really well. As you know, there's been a lot of organizing going on in 2022. We expect that to continue next year. And we're going to follow that organizing and grow America's workforce because of people like you who listen to the show and obviously contribute to the show, whether you're a sponsor or not. So uh, check our shows out at awfpodcast.com, awfpodcast.com. Everything is archived there. All right, let's go uh, to line number one. And joining us today is Dan Gallagher. Dan is the business manager and financial secretary for IBEW Local 38, which is a powerful local in northeastern Ohio, covering three counties, Cuyahoga, Geauga, and Lorraine. Dan, 30-year member of the local, and he's here to talk about Local 38. Dan Gallagher, how are we doing today, my brother? Good, Flash. How about you? Good, 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 good. Ready for... uh, Ready for 2023? How was 2022 for you? You were a business manager at the beginning of the year. Let, let's start right there. Uh, I'd like to get your uh, your take on, on Local 38, and also we'll mix it up about how you got involved in Local 38. Dan, it's all yours, buddy. Go ahead. 2022 uh, was a heck of a year. We had an incredible amount of work opportunities. Uh, a lot of stuff happening nationally and locally that gives those guys uh, opportunities to get to work. 
we're pretty excited about it and moving forward even more. Good, good. Growing the local. How did you get involved in 38? Let's let's go back to that time. Well, I'm a third generation with this local, and I was doing a bunch of odd jobs, just nowhere dead-end things, and uh, my dad finally grabbed me and said, uh, hey, you done uh, messing around here? I need you to go apply down at the apprenticeship, and uh, <laughs> thank goodness he did. <laughs> he shook you down. He said, all right, you're going to work, my son. That 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 was pretty much the conversation then, right? Well, it was a combination. I needed to maybe grow up a little bit before uh, I started something serious. Uh-huh. And uh, we see this all the time. Uh, and I hope uh, Wondolowski from the Building Trades is listening. Thank God my dad wasn't a bricklayer or uh, a cement finisher. He was an electrician, and uh, I followed his footsteps. I see. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing a lot of good things about the IBEW, not just uh, 38, but, uh, you know, with all these charging stations, you know, with all the legislation, good policy coming out of Washington. And, you know, we live in a technical world today. I mean, technology has grown by leaps and bounds, and the IBEW is in the middle of it all. Then you throw in solar windmills and all the, the wiring that goes there so the future is is it's absolutely incredible so let's talk about uh, how many members now in 38 dan just under 2200 active okay is that uh, has that been pretty constant here um i'm just wondering what what happened in the past year here uh we've been staying steady for quite a number of years right around that number i gotcha um, what's your plans for 2023? Because you're getting you're getting a new leader, as you well know, in uh, in January, and that would be Kenny Cooper. I'd like to talk. Do you know Kenny? Because I know he's from Ohio. Yeah, yeah uh, met him about ten years when I came on full time staff at Local 38 as the organizer. Okay, started dealing with him then. Great guy, heck of a leader. Now, Dan, it's my understanding he is the number two guy. Isn't he like secretary-treasurer? And uh, he is going to replace uh, Lonnie Stevenson, I believe, on January 4th. That's the day. Is that right? Correct. All right. Well, so talk to me more about Kenny Cooper here. How, how well do you know him? And it, what's going to ch- anything you think is going to change here in the leadership of the IBEW as a result? I don't know if anything's going to change because both those uh, – Lonnie and Kenny, number one goal, grow the membership and and organize. And ever since I've known Kenny Cooper, that was his main goal when he was 4th District International Vice President. And one of those guys that you want to do the best you can. Um, Quiet guy, always humble. He always never lost his roots about where he came from as a, a wireman from Mansfield, Ohio, to now. And one of those guys that's a quiet kind of toughness mm-hmm. that you know you don't want to get sideways with the guy. I think he's, Kenny's been boxing since, like, third grade. So uh, always kept everyone on point and uh, made sure guys were doing their jobs. That's good. Like, okay, I'm looking forward to talking to him. I, I know we're going to try to line up an interview with him in the new year. So that's that's exciting. Uh, the Constitution of the IBW says to organize all workers in the entire electrical industry. I'm just wondering here, I mean, a couple days before the new year, you're at 2,200 strong. I know you'd like to get up to maybe 3,000, 4,000 down the road. 
I, I know it's going to take a lot of work here, but uh, the the landscape, especially in the area that you work in, it's I mean it's this area is pretty union friendly. I, I can't say that about the rest of the state of Ohio, and I think you know that all too well. But I'm just wondering the. Uh, the contractors that you have, maybe you can expand with them. And especially now, I mentioned the policies that have come out of Washington, the the good things that are happening here. What do you see and what's your plans for organizing in the uh, in the new year here, Dan? We have, want to keep organizing as much as we can. Um, there's a lot of work coming up, like you've been talking about, uh, federal money for electric vehicle charging stations. Uh Infrastructure bills got over a hundred million set for federal EV stations throughout the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to start pushing our contractors to go after that. And if there is other non-union contractors going after that, that we're going to uh, want to sit down and talk with them. How have you been doing with those non-union contractors to bring them over to Local Thirty Eight? Has has that happened in the last year that you were business manager, financial secretary? Uh, one smaller contractor on our, our low voltage side, our voice data video. Um, over the past years, we've organized quite a few shops. It's a tough decision for those non-union contractors. Yeah. Um, I mean, they don't want to just come over here to pay their guys more. I mean, the the main goal is to uh, supply manpower. If they want to grow, we have the majority of the people. That's, there you go. That's yeah. the main main reason why they they come over dan i want to talk to you about um outreach here and uh and and where do you stand in with uh, your apprenticeship program by the way at 38 how many how many active apprentices 275 oh is that is that uh, pretty good right now 275 yeah about average we, we uh, can use more right now okay Dan, you probably heard the saying that uh, getting involved in the trades is a pathway to the middle class. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that are finally seeing the light of day. And there's so many things that are happening. I mean, look at the Intel plant in uh, central Ohio there. That's going to require a lot of workers. Some of those jobs are going to pay upwards of $150,000 a year. I'm just wondering, in northeastern Ohio, you can speak to northeastern Ohio, especially, I mean, there's some very wealthy parts and there's some very underprivileged parts. I'm wondering, what about 38, like, targeting those communities and saying, hey, you know what, there's a better life out there if you decide to uh, join the apprenticeship program and uh, be a member of a local 38. I mean, look at you. I mean, you've been doing this for 30 years, and you're now business manager, financial secretary. I'm just wondering, is that conversation happening? And Because uh, I'm hearing it from a lot of different uh, unions right now. What's going on with 38 with regard to that, Dan? Oh, we talk about it every day. It's uh, it's important to reach out to these communities uh, to get better diversity and inclusion out into the trades. Uh, plus, it's the right thing to do. A lot of these kids don't have a chance to go to college, and we need to show them a, a path to the trades. It's it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, to get a, a kid from one of these poverty neighborhoods and put a union card in their pocket. You're not changing their lives. You're changing their family's lives for generations. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
It's an incredible opportunity for him. Yeah, we had a conversation yesterday with the heat and frost insulators, and uh, he pointed out Pete Almini, who handles the uh, Labor Management Trust, said it's not a job, it's a career. You, you learn a skill, like a electrical, like an electrician, and you're a member of Local 38. You can take that wherever you want to go. Nobody's going to take that away from you. And then you throw in the good wages, health care, pensions. How's your pensions doing? Is it pretty good? Yeah, pensions doing good now. We had to make some serious changes. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, but uh, we're doing good now. Man hours are up. Uh, Healthcare, don't get me started on that. That's a different issue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's that's a that's a rough road for everybody right now, Dan. Dan, I'm gonna let you go. I know you got a lot on your plate today. IBEW38.org is a website. IBEW38.org. Dan Gallagher, business manager, financial secretary. You take care, my friend, and uh, let's work on getting Kenny Cooper on the show in the new year, okay, brother? You got it. Thanks, Flash. Have a good New Year. You got it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jacob Morrison and the Alabama Labor Council, the Valley Labor Report. He's coming up next. Don't go away. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Ironworkers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 ironworkers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union ironworkers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our ironworkers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at uaw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity... 
Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to the state of Alabama right now. Welcome back to the show. Love this guy. Jacob Morrison is his name. And we had him on the show some months back. I was on his show in the spring. He hosts the Valley Labor Report. Just Google that, Valley Labor Report. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And Jacob is also an assistant vice president with AFGE Local 1858, which is in Huntsville, Alabama. They have about 1,100 strong. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the climate in Alabama. A lot of organizing going on there. I know that. But you've got these politicians that... They just don't get it. They just don't get it. Jacob Morrison, welcome back. How are we doing today, my brother? Hey, Flash. I'm doing good. It's great to be back. I appreciate it. Hey, you were telling me before we started the show that, that Huntsville is what, the, the Pentagon of the South? Is that a pretty pretty good description of it then? <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, what they call it, for for better and for worse, where our economy is, is totally dependent on uh, the federal employees and the uh, the defense contractors that we've got here. So. Yeah, AFGE is a proud sponsor. They just renewed their commitment to America's workforce, and they're pretty happy, too, because uh, they finally got their pay raise together. I think it was like 4.6%, uh, four, mm-hmm. 4. something like that. And obviously, they wanted more. In fact, they're already negotiating for another one because that one will last only about a year, I, I understand. But anyway, Tommy Tuberville. It's Tuberville, right, or Tuberville? How do you pronounce this guy? It name? is Tuberville. Yeah, Tuberville. Okay. Well, now he was wasn't he a football coach or something? What, what's it? Give us his background. And now he's a U.S. senator, right? Right. Right. Well, he yes, he was head football coach at Auburn University for uh, for several years. Probably one of the better coaches that they had. He had a pretty good record against Alabama, um, and he uh, and and that's. The only reason, you know, and I think that this is something that that anybody would tell you uh, in the state of Alabama, whether they're conservative or uh, or liberal. The only reason that he is the U.S. senator from the state now is because he was a football coach and people knew his name, so he was able to coast through the primary in the Republican Party. And once he won the primary um, it, for the U.S. Senate seat, you, that's that's basically the election, right? Yeah. Um, so. So that's basically his background, and he just decided to um, move back to Alabama from Florida, uh, where he had been living post his retirement, because he felt like taking a Senate seat, and that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about this uh, piece that he wrote, and and, and it, it deals with the fact that, uh, well, there's a lot of job openings right now, and mm-hmm. there's, there's a number of people, we all know there's that are saying, oh, you know, people don't want to work anymore. They're paying them all, all this money, and I, I don't get it. They're lazy. Right. They're relying on the government, but but it's people like mm-hmm. Tuberville that gave them that money, right? <laughs> well, the it, it it's a really wild argument that, that he makes and that so many people make, uh, which is that, you know, they uh, – that so many people – 
are are just laying out of work somehow and just making it by on government benefits, whether that be, you know, the unemployment stimulus or the $1,200 checks or whatever, right? And, and their contention, and he mentions this in his article, their contention is that he uh, – is that that is how folks are getting by instead of working. Uh-huh. And – it just it, it it totally flies in the face of reality because we see in Alabama in particular our unemployment rate is below three percent. It's something like two point five percent. The labor force participation rate in the country, and and this is something that I found out while researching for my response. He's a you know he he's sixty something right. So he was a young man in nineteen eighty, and so all these people they're telling us presumably comparatively, right, that there's comparatively so few people working today. People just don't want to work. People don't want to work. Well, uh, in 1980, there were 20% fewer working-age people that were working than there are today. Hmm. There are 20% more working-age people that are at work today. And yet, somehow, there's also a bunch of lazy people that are just taking government benefits. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up to any sort of scrutiny. You know, the unemployment stimulus, they cut that off in Alabama back in June of oh. 2021. Right. Yeah. The, the last check that people got was in the same year in 2021. We're heading into 2023. That's obviously not a factor anymore. Uh, we are facing uh, rampant inflation. We are facing all sorts of stuff. And so people are getting different jobs. People are getting job training. You're, you're talking to fe- people all the time on your show, uh, going into the trade unions, getting apprenticeships. People are getting college degrees, moving into different industries. And so where there are jobs that aren't paying well or that are not, you know, great uh, uh, great working conditions, people don't feel the need to stay and they, they're able to get other, uh, other positions or sometimes they're organizing at their workplaces like they are at Starbucks. So, um, it's just an insane argument. And, and the thrust of it is that, oh yeah, you know, working people are lazy yeah. and we deserve less. And it, and it's, he's lecturing the citizens of Alabama for our work ethic. And I think that that's really a slap in the, in the face to, you know, a lot of people that, uh, that elected him. Now, where where did he say this? Did he say this in a, like a newspaper column? And I'm just wondering what kind. Obviously, you reacted to it. I'm just wondering mm-hmm. about the uh, about how this was laid out and the pushback that's happening right now because it's important. And I, I and Jacob, I salute you for what you're doing because these politicians they can't get away with this kind of when they make ridiculous comments. Somebody like you has to come back and say, "Wait a minute." Hold this. Hold, hold off here. You're not right on this. Talk to me about that mm-hmm. part. The first time he said it was in um, some offhand comments during an interview, and he actually said something about um, these uh, millennials and Gen X have got to learn that they need to tote their own load. And, and people were like, Gen X? That's weird. Usually, you know, older folks are attacking young people. And then he clarified. He said, oh, no, I meant Gen Z. Gen Z are just super lazy. That's what he said. Um, and so after those comments, he wrote an article in AL.com uh, where he expanded on this. And the thrust of his article was that the, the federal government is giving people benefits, and so they're lay, laying out of work, and it's hurting job creators. Oh, it's hurting the job creators and the bosses in Alabama. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, and and so that was uh, so he made some offhand comments in an interview, and then he got an article um, in AL.com, and that's where we responded. Um, I follow the editor of the website um, on Twitter, and so I sent her a DM. I said, "Hey, uh, I'd like to respond to this <laughs> opinion piece," and so she she allowed myself and Adam, my co-host on the Valley Labor Report. So it's good that you responded that way. I'm just wondering, is it picking up steam down there? Is this becoming a big issue in the state of Alabama for what he said and, and the way you reacted to him? Uh, is it becoming a big issue? I'm not so certain about that. Uh, the article has been out for a little while. According to AL.com's metrics, you know, they, sometimes they'll have, like, this article has so many shares. Ours had uh, ours had gotten more traction than his original piece, um, which is which was interesting because he's a U.S. senator and I'm, like, some nobody in Huntsville, right? <laughs> uh, so that was, that was kind of interesting to me. Um, I'm not sure how indicative that is. But, of course, you know, so much of the media ecosystem that he feels like that he needs to pander to is going to be like the conservative talk radio hosts. Right. And, um, and they're all in, in agreement with him. Uh, and so, you know, there, and, and, and this, this, uh, back and forth between Tupperville, uh, and us has, it's been a few weeks. And, and so I haven't seen a whole lot about it, which is really, which is really frustrating because the, the whole thrust of his argument is really an attack on Alabamians. Yeah, yeah. It's an it, it's an attack on Alabamians. It's saying that we are not working. Uh, it's saying that we're just taking a check and laying it home, and that is just factually not the case. Alabamians across the state are teaching our children, are putting out fires. Uh, we're making our municipalities run. We're giving, uh, you know, we're we're building the roads that he has people drive him on. Right? I mean, the, the we are the people that are making this state run. And for him to attack us in such a way, attack our integrity, attack our work ethic, um, I found it, as a worker, uh, very insulting, and, um, and it's a shame that we don't have more people in the media that, 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 are, willing to, uh, that are willing to communicate that to people that, that he's insulting you. Yeah. Like he th- this is what he thinks about you. He right. thinks you're lazy, you're good for nothing, and you're beneath him. And, and you know, this is a guy, and I, I mentioned this in the piece as well, he got $5 million from Auburn, which is a state university, a, you know, a public university. These are tax dollars. $5 million to quit. <laughs> they wanted to get a new head coach after he had a few bad seasons. And so they gave him $5 million to cancel his contract, which was still for another few years. And so he got $5 million to quit. Yeah. And he still gets a $67,000 a year pension from, the, uh, from Auburn. $67,000 a year is about 50% more than the median wage in Alabama. The median wage in Alabama is something like $45,000, a year. He's getting more than that for his retirement from having a job for eight or nine years as a head coach at Auburn. And he's telling us that we don't work hard enough, right? He's yeah. making $200,000 a year as a senator. Uh, and he said, I don't know if you caught this, this has been several months, I think it was last year, he said that he opposed banning stock trading for Congress people because it might disincentivize people from coming up on the Hill to serve the public. And it's like, 
Yeah, if there are people that would be disincentivized <laughs> from being Congress people because they can't trade stocks, that's good. We don't want people like that exactly. in D.C. representing us. And so he just basically told us $200,000, not enough for me. I need to be able to make a bunch of stock trades, make millions of dollars. He's the most prolific trader in the Senate, and he's also made a million dollars in violations of the Stock Act because of the reporting requirements, and he's not meeting them. And so, you know, the, the, this guy, of all people lecturing us about our work ethic, it just really, fo- like, folks ought to be upset about that. Jacob, I hear you loud and clear on this story, and I, I don't understand why people like Tommy Tuberville even got into office. I mean, here's a guy that has no political experience. He's a popular coach, and that's basically it. And it seems like people vote against their own best interests. I don't understand that part. But you know what? Hold that thought. I also want to talk about this lockout with the steelworkers. Jacob Morrison joining us on our live line. Jacob is Secretary of Treasurer of the North Alabama Labor Council, also a member of the American Federation of Government Employees down there. Back in a few minutes, you're listening to America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are Steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. 
Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union there. Let's go back to Huntsville, Alabama. Rejoin Jacob Morrison. Jacob is with AFGE Local 1858. They have about 1,100 strong in Huntsville, Alabama. He's also a vice president of the North Alabama Area Labor Council and hosts the Valley Labor Report. You know, I want to talk about more politics going on down there, crazy politics, I might add. But uh, give us a quick rundown. You you deserve to promote your show here. We want to make sure that there's a number of labor shows. And by the way, next year, America's Workforce celebrating 30 years. I'll be hosting this for 25 years come July. And it's important to get the workers' point of view out there. So important. So before we get into the steelworkers lockout there, Valley Labor Report, give me a quick uh, rundown on that, Jacob. Go ahead. Yeah, appreciate it, Flash. We are a weekly uh, union talk radio program. We are live every Saturday morning from 930 uh, to 1230 Central. We're on uh, three terrestrial radio stations, and we also stream live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch um, at the Valley Labor Report. Um, And, you know, what we we try to do a fairly similar thing to what y'all are doing. You're your, your program was a really big um, inspiration for for me, and and I really tried to do something similar down there uh, with what you know. Obviously, given our location, a more southern focus, and um, and, and you know we'll take calls and stuff like that. Um, and and I enjoy it. We are going to be in May of twenty three. Uh, we'll be on the air for three years, so y'all will be celebrating thirty. We'll be celebrating three. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. No, I, yeah, it's right, so right, right. It's so important that shows like yours and this one happens. It really is because. I've been in radio, believe it or not, it's going to be close to a half century here. I started in 1973, and I've seen the media landscape change, and not for the better. Not for the better. You don't find, I mean, most of the shows, the radio shows you hear today are so far to the right. So far to the right. You got the Rush Limbaugh's who obviously passed on. But uh, the people that have filled them in and uh, I mean, I could there's there's I mean, there's literally scores of them that constantly beat the right wing point of view on the show. And it, it's mm. almost it's it, they're playing mind games with people. And it's so sad. So it's important that we get the workers point of view. Speaking of workers, let's uh, talk about the steel workers there. Apparently, um, this is a paper mill. And uh, they had they had an opportunity to uh, work on a new contract here to uh, vote on a new contract. They said no, and it had what was this a twenty eight thousand dollar ratification bonus that they turned down? Yes. Whoa! What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, um, I nobody that I've talked to has ever heard of a twenty eight thousand dollar ratification bonus. Um, and, and similarly, nobody has ever heard of somebody turning down a ratification bonus that big. Um, and I think that really speaks to the, um, the value of the things that the company is trying to take 
in this contract. The value to these workers and their community um, of the things that, that the company's trying to take. Um, and, and so what uh, before I, I talk about what those are, I just want to explain the schedule because that helps. That, that will help you understand how important that this is. Uh, they work on what they call a reverse southern swing shift, uh, which, is, which is kind of common in the paper mill industry, it used to be more common. But it's uh, they work seven days in a week from midnight to 8 a.m., and then they get one day off. And then they work another seven days, this time from 4 p.m. to 12 a.m., and then they get one day off. And then they do another seven days, uh, this time on days from 8 to 4, um, and then they get three days off. And so that's how... That's how just their normal schedule is. Uh, over the past five years, the company has not been able to staff the mill properly. And so now before the lockout, they were 50 people short on produ- just in production, just in the production side. And so that means that a lot of these 7.8s were turning into 7.12s and 7.16s. And in some cases, uh, some of these shifts were turning into 20-hour shifts. <gasps> and, uh, and, and 40... at the time of the lockout, 44% of all hours worked in that mill were overtime, right? So these people are really being worked much more than, than, than really, frankly, they signed up for, right? Um, And and it's because of, uh, it's because the mill hasn't been able to retain people, frankly, because uh, in each contract, these people have, have uh, gotten from the company, uh, they're giving up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, or they're not getting any more. Used to paper mills back, you know, 20 years ago was head and shoulders above any other uh, job in the community. Uh, and it's just not that way anymore. You know, they start out at 21, 22 an hour there. Uh, and, you know, that's probably the best starting wage you're going to get in the community, but not by much. You can get other jobs at 17, 18 an hour, 16 an hour, and you can get those jobs and not have to work those insane schedules, right? Yeah. So uh, the provisions that the company is trying to take in this contract are, are, are the contention is over two, and that's the Sunday premium and what they call hog law. Uh, Sunday premium gives them time and a half on Sundays and double time if they're already over 40 for the week. And they say that's important because if you're going to work me seven days in a row, I should get a little extra compensation when I work on Sunday. You know, a lot of these people are religious people. Um, One of the presidents of the locals is a preacher, right? Sundays are very important to these people. And they're saying, look, you know, that's how they got people to work seven days a week in the paper mill in the first place is because they were willing to pay a premium for work on Sunday. The company's trying to take this away. The other is hog law, which states that if you work over 16 hours in a shift, um, then you get time and a half for the whole shift, right? So if your shift turns into 17 hours, it's not just that you get a 17th hour time and a half, you get the whole 17 time and a half. Mm -hmm. And that's to really disincentivize the company uh, from creating a situation where you need people to do that. Really, hog law shouldn't even be operable. You shouldn't even be having to ask people to stay over 16 hours. That's insane. And they're wanting to take that away. And so these people are worried that if there's not these penalties for working folks over, that they're going to work them even more 
you know, somehow they'll even get more than 44% of the hours being worked. Uh, to be overtime. And that's just not a tenable situation for these folks. And they were willing to turn out, turn down this big payout to keep these protections against overwork uh, in their contract. And, you know, this company is not doing poorly. They were able to give their executive team an average of a 53% raise oh, in boy. the last year. They had $3.4 billion in profit just in profit, their revenue was $19.7 billion. 2021 was the most profitable year for the Westrock Corporation in its existence. And they're trying to tell them to, and they're trying to tell these people to accept what would amount to a 10% pay cut, according to the union. If they worked the same amount of hours with those contract provisions taken out, that would be a 10% pay cut over the course of a year. And so it's just these these folks said that's not acceptable. They voted it down, and the company locked them out. Um, and and so that's where uh, that's where they are right now with that. How long have they been locked out, Jacob? Since October the sixth, um, they are negotiating. They ha- the company has sent a last, best, and final. I'm going to be writing a, a follow up piece in the Real News that y'all can look for. Um, I'm going to be, uh, there's going to be some, some good information. I'm profiling some of the workers there. Um, and uh, the company is, is giving them another last, best, and final um, and going to be trying to get them to vote on that in the new year. And so I'm actually down here. I spent yesterday with them, and uh, I'm hanging out on the picket line with them today and going to a mass meeting that they're having this afternoon. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm right here in it today. Yeah, we're talking to 500 Union members from the Steelworkers. We'll have to check with our, our folks in Pittsburgh. Steelworkers are sponsors of America's mm-hmm. workforce, and I see there's a couple of locals. We'll get them on the show and talk about this. Hopefully they could come to some resolve. But you know what this reminds me of? The rail situation. Work-life mm-hmm. balance. I mean, come on. Give me a day off here. I mean, some of those right. workers are working like 21 days straight. And that, you know what? Going into 2023, Jacob, that is, that is going to be, it's big now. It's going to be bigger next year. That's my prediction on that because this is ridiculous that people have to work like this. Come on, they yeah. can't. They I, can't I've even go. To, they can't even go to church when you think about that. Right. I've talked to people who worked in this plant for twenty years, and they say that this is the first Christmas that they're going to have off since wow. working at the plant because they're locked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. Jacob Morrison joining us on our live line today. He uh, hosts the uh, Valley Labor Report. Just Google that. AFGE Local 1858, 1100 strong. Serves as uh, assistant vice president there. And uh, the uh, North Alabama Area Labor Council. You got you wear a lot of hats, my friend. And you're also going to be on the picket line. I'm not going to hold you up. I'm going to let you keep moving forward. But let's talk in the new year. I appreciate what you're doing in the state of Alabama. Grow that show. Three years. Take it to 30, just like uh, America's workforce. Okay, brother? All right. Sounds like a plan. Okay. You take care. That's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the South Nevada building trades and the latest from Good Jobs First. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.